welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. This is the Investing Power Hour number 62 on Chit Chat Money. On these episodes, me, Brett Schaefer, and Ryan Henderson uh, talk about anything within the finance world. Uh, We do it every week. It goes live on Thursdays, typically at about 9.30 Pacific Time, 12.30 Eastern Time. Again, that is on Thursdays. It goes live on YouTube. Ryan, how are we feeling today? What topics have you brought to the table? I can see you're very crypto heavy as this seemed to be a crazy week in, well, can we define it, uh, securities industry? I guess that's going to be the big question. Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of crypto stuff to talk about today because I think it's a really important time for the industry as a whole. There was some big lawsuits from the SEC. So it seems like <clears throat> this is finally coming to, I don't know. I don't know if I, it's a pivotal moment, I think, uh, when they are kind of, when they have to face off in court and determine whether or not a lot of these cryptocurrencies are considered securities. So I'll go through kind of what the allegations are and some of the, uh, some of the commentary from other people around it. The other stuff I find interesting, um, Apple with the uh, the ski masks, potentially maybe more than the ski mask. Maybe it's I got the, a, yep, that's my topic. Defining the future of computing. Who knows? Um, the, uh, we got a whole bunch of stuff. Messy. I don't know. Can we talk about that? I know that's sports. Well, the, the Apple the, gave us a reason to talk about it. So I guess we could talk about that within the Apple segment, but we do not typically cover the business of sports. But this was an insane week all around for the business of sports. So I don't have, I feel like we, we went to tech and streaming. I feel like we wouldn't do it justice, but maybe we can talk about sports rights versus Apple's vision, uh, you know unironically there for the future of their hardware devices. Yeah. What else was there? Um, I talked about, there was a Hindenburg short report that got swept under the rug. No one cares about that. Yeah. I have that loaded up. I have not read about it yet, but again, those are always spicy. I have uh, as my second topic. Oh, the, the viral charts that were going around about the manufacturing spending boom in the United States. So I kind of wanted to talk about that and any investing implications, whether, yeah, anything around anything around that. All right. Should yeah. I kick things off? Go right ahead. Okay. So as a lot of people may have heard this week, the SEC sued Binance. Binance is the leading crypto exchange, I guess. I don't know if I'm allowed to use the word exchange. Um, they're the leading crypto exchange and they also sued Coinbase. So uh, there's some different allegations for Binance specifically. There's like some uh, some around basically trying to evade the law in the US. They may have taken customer funds and bought a yacht too, but that's only a small. 
it is genuinely it's it's a small percent it's a small part of this <laughs> just 11 lawsuit. million just 11 million dollars for a nice little yacht well that's that's not the number one priority here it is so anyway there are some add-ons i guess to that lawsuit i believe there's 13 allegations uh yeah sec files 13 charges against binance and founder cz cheng peng Zhao. um but then they also sued Coinbase. The, the crux of both of these uh, lawsuits are that they, the SEC thinks cryptos should be considered securities. Not all cryptos, but a number of cryptos that are available to be traded on both Coinbase and Binance's platforms. Um, and so I guess let, let's get into it. Let's, um, where's the best place to start? I mean, let's maybe talk about how Binance operates. Binance apparently was told um, they were restricted. They reportedly restricted trading for US investors, but actually they were just apparently subverting them to different platforms that they still controlled. So there was one that was like Binance.us, which was, I mean, it was kind of this complicated structure, but essentially they had the ability to claim the customer assets as their own and use them which apparently was used to buy a yacht so there's there's those concerns and by the way that sounds an awful lot like ftx i'm just saying in terms of the legal structure that's not the end of the world the what is the main concern here is that they are operating as a securities exchange and they don't have the license to be a securities exchange and so that's kind of the really the crux of the whole debate are solano and not bitcoin or ethereum i think those are deemed not securities solano um, i think it's solana solana, solana. Maybe. Uh, there's too um, many they all have strange names yeah there's a number of different ones that they call out in the the different lawsuits but what about doge doge would not be considered one i believe and i'll get into okay let's start with this how does the u.s define a security okay there was a 1946 case called it was something versus howie uh where they determined basically what is considered a security and so now they have something called the howie test and so the technical definition and the way they sort of test what is and isn't a security is the investment of money in a common enterprise with a reasonable expectation of profits to be derived from the efforts of others makes something a security. I know that's a very well, it uh, makes sense when it's a business, but magic beans, I think you know, maybe they can evade this just because they're strictly magic beans. Well, that's where it kind of becomes the the debate, right? And so Dogecoin, it is explicitly stated that it's magic beans so um okay when the dogecoin creator goes on twitter and says this is a joke and it's not to be taken serious that is basically calling it not a security okay so dogecoin's off the hook however you look at something like solana and matt levine wrote a a great piece on this and he kind of broke down solana independently um Solana is there's people behind it. It's it's there is a company behind it. It's a common it's a common enterprise. Yeah, so this is how Solana themselves kind of defines the, 
the common enterprise, if you want to call it that. So it says, Solana Labs stated publicly that it would pool the proceeds from its private and public Solana sales, so SOL, in omnibus crypto asset wallets that it controlled, and that that it would use those proceeds to fund the development, operations, and marketing efforts with respect to the Solana blockchain in order to attract more users to that blockchain, potentially increasing the demand for it and therefore the value of Solana itself, given the need for those who wish to interact with the Solana blockchain to tender SOL. That is to say, they are issuing, I don't know, you can't call it a stock, but they are issuing a security <laughs> that you can to buy raise money yeah. to have people in their organization develop on behalf of the blockchain. So under the kind of the, I guess, checklist of the Howey test, there's four things to look at. Did investors invest money? And in by the way, I recommend reading the money stuff. Matt Levine, he does wonderful writing on this. Did investors invest money? Yes. SOL was sold for money to raise funding to build Solana, right? I don't think that's debatable. Was there a common enterprise? Yes. Solana is an enterprise. It is a blockchain ecosystem and it tries to attract users. Third one. And once again, I am kind of regurgitating Matt Levine's stuff. So keep in mind, go ahead, read that, check it out. He's the primary source. I but think he, at this point, everyone's heard of, uh, of buddies, uh, um, Matt self. Levine. He's probably got a million subscribers, but yes, it is uh, more comprehensive to get the details. Okay. Third one. Is there an expectation of profits? Now, keep, this is maybe where Dogecoin doesn't pass the test, right? They've said like, don't consider this an expectation for profits. With Solana, people bought SOL hoping that it would go up and it did. And there was in Solana's public statements reason to believe that it could, right? They, If you buy Solana today, they're going to uh, invest in and develop the blockchain further and um, well, here's, more, here's what more people I, would buy. Here's what I think is funny when they talk about developing the blockchain and stuff like that. You know, and when they made this in 1946, they said reasonable expectation of profits to be derived from the efforts of others. They, in fact, and I think everyone thinks of this, they think of, uh, say, for example, General Motors making cars, selling them, earning a profit, distributing it back to the shareholders. In this case, the expectation of profits derived by others uh, from the efforts of others is really, and this is, comes down to why uh, we're, uh, you know, we're in the crypto skeptic camp, and is the by definition the only way to make money is to make uh, a profit off of the effort of others to pump the token for you, right? That's the. <laughs> so I mean, I, it's it's completely different. It might be like even more on, or not even more. It might be strictly illegal because they're all by definition, pump and dump schemes, but it is different because it, there actually isn't a enterprise that you're investing in. You're investing in a magic bean. No, but the, in, I mean, in this case, there is an enterprise. There are well, Solana yeah, developers. Not, there is I know, an organization. Are, I'm sure they have an office that I, I know they have a business. Like some of these people have businesses, but again, the reason the you make money off of the token, not because there's profits. Uh, right. They make there money because no, the price goes up. They're not selling a product, from what I understand. They're not selling a product. They're selling the token, which maybe one day builds out applications that are useful. 
Um, but here's the fourth part of the test. And so every, you know, I'll go through one more time. Did investors invest money? Yes, obviously. Was there a common enterprise? Yes. Solana is an enterprise. Is there an expectation of profits? I think you can easily say yes. Do the profits come from the efforts of others? Others. Yes. Solano went up because the money you put in, they invested it into uh, developers <laughs> who built out the Solana. Uh, they made it blockchain. a very imp- they made it a very impressive Twitter thread. That's why. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sorry, that's continue. kind of the interesting stuff is you get like VCs who just bought a bunch and then they uh, you know write a white paper. And then, yeah, don't listen to that all in pot about Solana. Trust me, don't do not do not listen to that. That will not expose them as charlatans. It is, yeah. Can you retroactively go back and uh, file suit against people for securities manipulation if it wasn't a security at the time? Interesting. That is a loophole, Ryan. Well, um, I'm not a lawyer. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were talking about Solana a little less in today's world. Um, okay. So I get, anyways, when it's laid out like this, I think I look at it and I think, okay, it, it has to be a security, right? They're raising it for, to, to build something out. Like it's, it's, you know, if people say like coffee is not a security, coffee beans aren't a security. It's a commodity, right? That's true. But Starbucks the company that's building out or, or using the commodity, it's kind of like Solana in this case. I, I don't know if this is an apples to apples comparison. Uh, that is a security and it should be regulated as such. And so um, here's kind of the reason I think this is important. And Matt Levine lays out five outcomes. He says, first of all, here's one outcome. The SEC wins and crypto is more or less banned in the US, except for those that aren't considered securities. Example, Doge. Even Bitcoin. Uh, Maybe. I think okay. Ethereum. Um, yes, but example, Dogecoin. Second one, SEC wins and crypto flourishes abroad and the US misses it. It's another option, I guess. Um, third one, and, and that's I would say the second option is probably the one that uh, Brian Armstrong is the biggest kind of proponent of, you know, he, he, he wants the development to happen here in the US. He's threatened to leave the US, um, which I don't, it sounds like the US would be for that. So it's kind of feels like an empty threat, but yeah. that's, that's what he's concerned about is like, oh, you know, this is going to happen abroad and we're going to miss out. Um, the third one, and this is maybe the one I find the most interesting, the SEC wins and then somebody, some combination of existing crypto firms, new crypto entrants, and legacy financial services firms finds a path forward for crypto to be traded in the US in compliance with US securities laws. Everyone buckles down and says, okay, Solana is going to start filing annual reports with audited financial statements. Of what? Of what? Of what? The pump and dumps? Of what? 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 what, what are they? There, there's no product. It's it's. Sorry, the product is the token, right? Yeah. So maybe <laughs> what they are. That's where it would get super complicated, right? It's hard for these kind of organizations or enterprises to determine what's theirs versus what's other people on the blockchain. Like what's their work versus what's just yeah. other existing people's work that aren't a part of the organization. You know what I mean? Um, Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, but that's an interesting thing because it's like, okay, investing in Solana, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with it. If you, you know, if you believe it's the future, but because there aren't audited financial statements, there aren't annual reports, investors are not cognizant of all the risks associated with it, other than some random white paper that some VC wrote or the creators who are obviously financially incentivized to sell this thing, what they wrote. So it's, you need kind of that audited financial report to, and that's the point, that's what the SEC is filing for, is to make sure the investors in America are aware of the risks, which I, I don't think that's there yet. And so- Yeah, nothing wrong with that either. Like, and people, like, especially with stocks, like anyone that doesn't really follow maybe stocks closely or read SEC filings, when you read these things, it's not like the risks are something that you look at and go, oh my God, there's risks I don't invest. It's, I look at these risks, they're almost always lawyer boilerplate risks. Like if there are natural disasters, our insurance company could be blank and and stuff like that. It's just laying that out there for people to understand by the letter of the law, by whatever the SEC requires to make sure you are not um, trying to be biased to, uh, you know, like, for example, it's the difference between how a company might hype themselves up on a conference call versus what is actually put in their 10Q and 10K, their annual report and their quarterly filing. Yeah. I think it's very similar, right? Solana goes to, you know, development conferences and talks about all this stuff without having to really have anything audited or anything, I guess, legally binding to it. Um, but it's it's interesting to think about this from kind of the SEC's point of view, which is like why it reminds me of the early 1900s when a lot of these companies were not required to publish financial statements, they could put out BS numbers and people would speculate around them. And I think if you're looking back on that and you say, well, the introduction of the SEC was a pretty damn good thing because it helped people get relevant information and understand the actual risks. I think it's very similar to that. There are, yeah, three big, three things that uh, drove like the American economy that were so simple, uh, but just one 30 year mortgage fixed rate two FDIC insurance three SEC. I mean, those are game changers and they all happened really after I believe all three were after the great depression or during after the, yeah, the the depression of the 1930s. So things had to get really bad before we decided to do that. But before that, yeah, 1900s, 1910s, 1920s, it was the wild, wild west of securities of stocks, of bonds, or bonds, whatever, but specifically of stocks, these bucket shops, pump and dumps, uh, what do they call them? Wash sales, I forget all the terms. Basically, a lot of manipulation that the exact same things are happening on with these uh, tokens. What they say with Binance? Like, oh, they were specifically using their own entities to do wash sales to pump up stuff or say that there was more trading than there actually was. Is that, if I, am I remembering that correctly, Ryan? Do you remember seeing that? It's a long, it's, so. a, it's a big lawsuit. And, and to be honest, we're not going to be reading 
I'll hold these documents. I will let other people do that for me. But I believe that was there. Yeah. The I guess let me go through the rest of the outcomes. Number four, potentially here, the SEC loses and the courts just basically say these aren't securities. Things go on as normal. People can speculate in these assets, if you want to call them that, but I don't think you can call them assets. Um, I, I guess you don't know what to call them. tokens, coins. Uh, that's the whole, that's the business model is to make sure they're on the debate, <laughs> they're on the fight. Right? That, yeah, exactly. The fifth one, Congress or a future SEC steps in to change the rules saying, well, sure, all this stuff is technically illegal under existing law, but it's crazy to stifle innovation like this. So we will make new rules to allow for regulated trading of crypto in the US. Maybe there's something along those lines where they basically create a new structure for these to be regulated. It doesn't, you know, maybe it doesn't fit perfectly into the previous uh, definition of a security because I mean, we've talked about it's kind of if you were Solana and you were trying to write an annual report, it's kind of bigger than just the developers you pay or like, you know, whoever's collecting the money from the sale of Solana tokens, like it's that ecosystem is larger than just that. So it's kind of hard to file an annual report or it's also financial statements. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's also larger. Like you said, it's more complicated, but it's also smaller because again, it's in the end, all this stuff is nothing. There's no product, I suppose. Yeah. So I kind of go, I don't really care what's going to happen. I think it's a giant waste of time, but I still think the end game is that given that these provide no true value besides the fact that you can buy them and sell them at a higher price at this point, hey, I could be wrong. They could start developing something interesting. I still see no path to, I just see crypto withering and withering away as the price pumps and stuff. I mean, if you don't hit an all, another all-time high in five years with some of this stuff, I see the the demand or the enthusiasm just continuing to go away. I mean, how does it get more exciting than like Bitcoin Miami 2021 or 2022, where there were so many people, there was so much money thrown around? I mean, can it get bigger than this? They The enthusiasm, eh, again, this is a whole nother topic, but I, I really don't care what the SEC does it's gonna i feel like the end path here is either they succeed and actually create value and actually create a product which again hasn't happened or the end game is it's no matter what the sec does these things will be worthless yeah you can trade them kind of like gold whatever but there's still nothing value you know it's not providing any value to me so why should i care yeah and i mean I think the SEC's goal here, maybe it's to just kill crypto. Well, they right? they need to protect investors, I guess. Right. That is their goal, right? Yeah. And so defining the risks is obviously important. If these entities are unable to do that, then they shouldn't, then Americans shouldn't be able to um, trade in them. I, th- I think that's a fair, that's, the, that's why the SEC is in place. Now, the kind of libertarian point of view is that everyone's their own, uh, everyone has their own responsibility to do what they want with their cash, yeah, well, regardless of risks. And gotta live, live in the real world. Uh, just, yeah, people need to live in the real world. Could like, you it'd be regulate nice. it'd be these nice. as <laughs> casinos? 
<laughs> not in the, I'm not, I'm, I'm not actually, I'm not, uh, no, I mean, but you're is right. It, if it isn't securities, isn't it speculation, potentially gambling, right? It's, it's kind of one or the other partner. They should do it. Yeah. They should have a partnership with DoorDash where they send you free drinks. If you're on the, <laughs> on the site. Um, no, it's actually a good point where it could be regulated as a casino or like a gambling thing. Here's. I don't know. Our, here, last it's interesting point. to see how this plays out because I I am curious, like whether these things are deemed legal. If you look at it on the Howey test, based on kind of what yeah. I'm reading about Solana, it seems like these are securities. Yeah. Here's my last question for you: Are you buying the I stand with crypto NFT? Oh, uh, no, no. And it is funny. Like, what do you? I, so I kind of like I don't know. In my head, I maybe make fun of brian armstrong a little bit for the way he reacts to some of these cases well strategies might be a bit unique let's put it that way yeah but then i start to think like okay if i were running coinbase what else would i do like the only thing the only thing you can possibly do is try to get people to rally around your cause um the the other thing that i should mention here is Coinbase has said on a number of occasions that they tried to go through the process of filing as a securities exchange, and the SEC was apparently very uh, inaccessible, not very communicative. Um, according to Coinbase, they they did a press release where, like uh, where they or someone wrote a letter that basically said that. Let me see. There's actually a quote from a Coinbase press release that I have. Should be able to find here. Uh, come on, where are you at? Yeah. So in a March blog post, March 2023, so what, four months ago, three months ago, um, it's uh, Coinbase says the bottom line remains Coinbase does not list securities or offer products to our customers that are securities. Then in a March interview between Yahoo Finance, Coinbase's chief policy officer, uh, they said, when we ask specific questions to the SEC, how do we get to a path to registration? There's never an answer. So I'm sure that would be frustrating. But at the same time, if you're trying to register as an exchange, securities exchange, then like, what? Why are you trying to register if they're not securities? I guess. But <laughs> I, they, I know. I know. I mean, I guess they. I mean, they're trapped. They feel trapped, and that makes sense. Well, you're that, trapped because you created these magic beans, and you're doing something illegal, and. Yeah, here, here's what's funny, I think, is they basically admit they're doing something illegal. And then Coinbase goes in a blog post, uh, yeah, we're doing something illegal, but actually we're just going to go on as business as usual. That's our plan. Great plan, guys. Really great plan. It's going to work out. I, I, here's the thing. Let's put, let's put it back to investing. What is the thesis of buying Coinbase stock today? Because this seems like... Uh, why would you touch this thing? I, I see it, it seems crazy. Well, and then on top of everything else, they're you know, they're losing money right now. Um, it feels very dangerous to touch them, to touch the stock at all, because I'm sure a lot of the trading that happens is not just Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I'm pretty sure Bitcoin and Ethereum were not called out in this in these suits. So Right. Maybe they survive on just being a Bitcoin and Ethereum exchange. Um, it's all so dumb. It's so dumb. It's, but it's, then I'm they're what? They're basically yeah. just a commodities exchange, right? Because that's the determination. Are these commodities or are these kind of 
Security, so I don't know. It's so tiring at this point. Can we just figure it out? I'm not. Yeah. I, don't you get so tired of this stuff? Uh, now, let me grab a quote from Binance's chief compliance officer. Um, he that's a, wrote that's a job. A, that is that is a job right there. Yes, he wrote in a message to a colleague, and this was because. Um, uh, CZ directed Binance to conceal many of their high value US customers and they gave them continued access on uh, Binance.com. The Binance CCO or chief compliance officer said to a colleague, We are operating as an effing unlicensed securities exchange in the USA, bro. So guys- it's not it's not that they didn't know. It was probably that. If they try to do this, it kills their business. Like if they try to, if they have to delist a whole bunch of the tokens traded on their platform. Have these guys heard a telegram? Come on, guys. <laughs> Get some secure messages here. It is. Or- and the the SEC put that as like the photo on the lawsuit, like that quote. And I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure he had a rough day at the company. You're supposed to be you're supposed to be a crypto exchange. Your whole point is decentralized, untracking, or whatever that whatever this stuff is. Uh, I, I get confused every time. And CZ, and yeah, I, you're going to use email. You're not going to use Telegram. Isn't that your brand? Come on, we need some encrypted messages here, guys. The, I thought that remember, was the whole point, anonymized. But keep going. CZ has said stuff. Uh, that he's had like emails that said, "Don't don't ever put anything in writing," kind of thing, which. Sounds like the kind of thing you'd say if you were running a perfectly legal entity. I was going to say, yeah, that's the things you say when you are not uh, trafficking money for Iran and North Korea. Um, but let's go to the next topic. Apple Vision Pro. I think many people have heard of this, but I'll go through the details. Uh, first question, though, I, I think maybe it's a fun one. Do you think this is a good, a good name? Because like Apple, with everything they do, I think this is a fantastic name. Yeah, it's a good name. All right. It's a good name. Uh, are you buying it? <laughs> no, that that's the question I have at the end. Let me go through the details of what it is first in case anyone didn't watch the announcement. It's pretty easy to understand. Uh, so after well, like years of research, could have been a decade, Apple finally announced its mixed reality product. Um, it is allows you to translate from augmented reality, which for anyone that doesn't know, that allows you to see the outside world as well with some screens kind of in front of your face and then it allows you to go to vr as well which closes you out fully from the outside world it has multiple cameras a new spatial audio technology to kind of you know position virtually where someone is speaking um a custom computer chip that they designed it has 12 cameras five sensors and screens that apparently look like 4k tvs for both your eyes so super advanced um and it also has a lot of different futuristic tech that i think we'll see kind of come out when people get these products in 2024 uh, for example, the, one of the uh, features I saw was, quote, predicting what a user will do based on their eye movements. I, when I, I think I said that weird eye movements. So where your eye is going, predicting what you want to do. And unlike the MetaQuest ones, they don't have these controllers. You control everything with your eyes, hand motions, and what was the other one? It's your eyes, your hands. Like you swipe and you look at stuff. I forget what the other way to control it is. There's three things though. And can't it's remember. not like a never used it. So can't remember. Yeah, we don't know. Okay. Uh, and they also say that they're reducing the motion sickness problem, which I 
that's another worry I have. There's two big worries I have. One of them is that uh, I don't know if that makes me confident in buying one. The price, as many people probably saw as it went a little bit viral, is $3,500. Now, first, yes, you already tried to ask this. Would you buy one, Ryan? What do you think? Uh, no, no, yeah. I would not. Well, I mean, the okay, the the price is pretty hefty. I'm not even buying the MetaQuest at like $200 or whatever it's discounted at today. So no, I'm not going to buy the Vision Pro. And there's no telling. I mean, there's a bunch of people that are probably very passionate Apple customers that'll maybe just like splurge all their money into whatever the next product is. But the reason I think a lot of people were willing to pay up for things like the iPhone was the utility and like the actual functionality and using it. Um, Clear, it was very yeah, different. It clearly helps you. Clearly, yeah. I'm not sure it's like the the utility here is that clear like why would i need this in my life there i mean there was a lot of people that really i think needed an iphone they wanted an ongoing internet connection um didn't want the android for whatever reason chose the iphone yada yada yeah, yada well, so that, that's more just a smartphone thing in general when we're talking about adoption of these mixed reality devices yeah i don't want to touch it no I'm not going to buy it for $3,500. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. That's an easy question. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's no way I'm touching this thing. First off, it seems weird that they're like tracking your movements and stuff and predicting like how your, your moods and stuff based on your eye movements and your blood pressure and stuff. I, I don't need a company doing that to me. It seems a bit invasive. I got to say, but we're Apple, we're private, whatever. That, that's just my gripes. I'm, I'm a little indifferent about that part, but the fact, I mean, it's just a lot of predicting. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Pred- having them track my mood and serve me ads. I don't, I don't particularly like that. Uh, here's a better question though, from an, for an investing podcast, will this product be successful? I'm going to lean actually towards. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think, I think they could sell a million, a million of these things, which is not much, but that given the price point that gives them pretty good breathing room to again try to go further over the next decade yeah i don't want to have a steve Ballmer moment where i'm like where i laugh it off and say no one's ever gonna buy this and then it's like some next generation of computing but it, it i've always had this problem that it, they look hilarious yeah, I think that was the, my two problems are the motion sickness, and then the other one is you look like a dunce. Yeah, uh, like I, I asked my friends, like, what would you if you just saw someone walking around with this thing on? What would you think? And they'd be like, oh, it'd be, it'd be kind of hilarious to be honest to like watch somebody like, like roaming around with this. Ski I, mask I don't on think no they, one. Like, I don't. They're looking at stuff. Yeah, but no one's roaming around with their souped up Mac computer. It's more of I think an at home device that you're using privately. Here are the people, though, Ryan, that you're going up against. And this was a viral tweet from some FinTech account. Okay, wait, hold or on. Keep going, keep going, keep going. If it's some at-home computing device, how is it that much better than a Mac? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's that's the question. How? What are the improvements um, on the Mac? Yeah, sorry, we got a comment here. What about the MetaQuest Pro? Uh, that is around 1K pixels, and I think was higher when it was first launched. 
Yeah, I think from what I read is that Apple's resolution is going to be better for your eyes, which is a very important thing because unlike a TV, which can be six to eight feet away, this is going to be two inches away from your eyes. So there has to be many, the resolution has to be much, much higher just because it's so much closer to your face. Um, Okay, other thoughts. It's hilarious to me that like, I don't know. Meta spent all this money. They've probably developed like a much more useful actual platform, but no one cares. They were just waiting for Apple to launch something themselves. Like, oh, yeah. it's Apple. Like, I'll buy that. Yeah. Okay. So you're, here's what has me confident, uh, not confident, but maybe leaning towards the side that this is going to be success is that. The Apple diehards are, how do I say it? They're diehards and they're a bit psychotic. So this is what Mads Capital, which is a uh, anonymous account on here. He said, this is what you're going up against for the people that you think, if you think this is going to be successful. And it was a Reddit post of saying, basically, my fiance and I, wait, that's an age gap right there. Okay, we don't need to discuss that. Regardless, our lover of all things Apple, we have all Mac, Mac, laptops, blah, 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 iPhone since 2007. We're wanting to get married in an Apple store somewhere near us, closest being Chicago. Does anyone know how much it would cost to rent out an entire, entire Apple store for the entire weekend? We'd have the rehearsal, rehearsal dinner, and then wedding ceremony and wedding reception in the store. We were thinking a three full course meal, or excuse me, a full three course meal served by the geniuses themselves. These are the people that are going to be buying these things, Ryan. Meta doesn't have anywhere near this. I, I mean, think that may be a one-off case, but uh, <laughs> no, it's there. I mean, there's obviously a cult-like following for Apple and its products. There has been since cult-like, you know, cult, cult-like, maybe <laughs> just straight up cult. The yeah. yeah, that is the only reason I think Apple can do it. But it's just still like, if it's just gimmicky, if it's not like a, like the iPhone wasn't gimmicky at the start, you know what I mean? 100%, yeah. It was like, people were using it on a regular basis. First, you're using it as a phone. You're using it to get internet connection. You're, I mean, I just don't see that happen. I don't think there's a market here. VR was yeah, st- yeah, like, yeah. talked about a lot 20 years ago. Yeah, just wait five years from now. The tech's going to be so much better, guys. Like, and it's not even about the tech. Like, I just I don't want to walk around with one of these things on. Yeah, here's here's what's interesting. Maybe from an Apple investing perspective, and actually, a uh, little teaser: we are interviewing someone who has followed Apple for a long time as an investor, a Nirban. Uh, where can I know? Mahanti. Mahanti from Seven Investing coming out in the next few weeks. I'm sure we're going to cover this. Here's what I guess would concern me as an investor is. Unless this goes mainstream, it's not going to be meaningful to Apple's bottom line. So I don't know how much re- you know how relevant it can be. I'm sure they probably spent fifty billion dollars in R and D so far on this. What, like, where's the ROI? Did you see the video of when they like announced this at first? Like Tim Cook was up on stage. He's like, "Next, we have." our vision pro and it like showed up and they're like, Whoa. And then they're like, and the price is $3,500. And I was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, to be honest, that's how much computers cost in the seventies and eighties. So 
I don't think it's a giant leap. Um, I think we're just just giving the deflation of the industry. People are not, you know, going to be a little bit shocked by that price. But for a new tech, eh, I don't think that's a crazy price for something this advanced. I mean, it really does seem advanced. The thing is, like you mentioned, Ryan, I think this is they're ugly and they're bulky and they're they they hurt your head. And what, like, what value? Is it going to provide? That's the that's the question. I don't think okay. there ha, has the, has there been like what value is it going to provide? Like when I said like Meta is a joke on or the, excuse me, Meta Quest is kind of a joke on Twitter. They're trying to sell these things for two hundred bucks now. Some guy said, "Have you played Beat Saber?" And I was like, first off, I thought that was a porn bot, but I was like, Whoa. he's like, it's the best game on there. And I was like, great, it probably sucks. I looked it up. It's like this thing where you. You know, think I'm doing virtual reality. Yeah, they have it in those commercials. Um, I, that, that's not value. Like it, the other video games are always are already significantly better, and you don't feel like you have to puke afterwards. It's like it's like they're trying to force an addressable market. Like they are trying to for like will product market fit themselves more yeah. meta, I would say. And then Apple just came and kind of like walked right into their gold mine potentially one day. That'll like. Because like Meta's doing all this marketing, like okay, it just feels like such a waste. But I don't know. The here's well, the thing. Think I think it, when or... I think about Apple products, it's always been kind of signaling, right? It, it, like the phone looked pretty cool. Yeah, the watch was, isn't really that expensive. The watch looks cool. The AirPods kind of you you look cool potentially. I don't think so. I think they I think they made everyone think they look cool, but. Yeah, it, it became, that's it, the point. Is yeah, it makes yeah. you feel like you look cool. Yeah, I don't think this is there or close. You like you said, I think it makes you look like a dunce. But if you're just doing this in private in your own little room, maybe you know, maybe there's a use case there. I just think it's you know, kind of not that big of a step up from what you get with a Mac. Well, you can say, oh, well, it's immersive. I, okay, like. It's so much like the voice tech where they're like (laughs) huge. Like it's, it's, it's exactly like the voice tech where everyone goes, you can turn off uh, lights with Alexa and you go, okay, cool. I save about one second. And I go like that. It's the value, the value spread of uh, like how much more useful it is has to be, I think just has to be much higher than it seems like right now. Yeah, what is it? In order to replace an existing product, you have to have a 10x, a product 10x better or something. That's like what that's the same. Saying. Yeah. No. I just don't think this is that, but smartphone was that. And people talk about the Apple Watch or the iPad. The iPad was more of an adjacent product to the smartphone at the time. I believe they were on the same operating system until they separated it out. The watch, again, I will say this time and time again, it has some sort of health value that people might look at. But strictly, it is a fashion device that is out of all the Apple products. It's mainly just for like maybe, how it looks. Maybe we just sound like haters, and maybe we're going to be the Steve Bombers of <laughs> twenty twenty without the relevant or without any sort of the reputation to lose. But I would love for someone to interview Bomber on what he thinks <laughs> on the VR stuff right now. Yeah, that would be funny. Uh, here's yeah, again, totally could be right. Here's what's I think people in this industry or investors that kind of get caught up into this stuff, 
what's the saying? I'm going to use another cliched saying again. If you do the same thing over and over again and expect different results, it is the definition of insanity. And I feel like this is kind of what's happened over the last two decades is people keep releasing VR products. The tech is always revolutionary, but no one does mainstream adoption because there's a core motion sickness problem and a core um, self-esteem problem because people don't like the way they look when they have them on. Yeah. Who knows? You know, maybe there's enough people that want to get married in Apple stores to to buy these things. Maybe <laughs> if every Apple shareholder buys one, there there you go. You've got your addressable yeah. market. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll close. Let's, yeah. We'll let's go to talk another some topic. other exciting stuff. Well, here's I want to to caveat though as we go to another topic. If anyone's going to win, it will be Apple. If there's going to be a market, it will Apple will win. But yeah, let's do another one. Here's what's manufacturing. I want to talk manufacturing. Maybe let me let me share the screen here and talk about this because there was a very interesting chart, actually multiple charts that were going out this week. Uh, I'll describe them for everyone. Oops. So if you look at just basically, it's a chart either by Fred. Actually, yeah, I'll use this one first. It is total construction spending indexed to the year two, I believe it'd be 2000. So they kind of have, you know, it's basically a dollar spending. I believe it's probably in the billions of dollars. Either way, the exact numbers don't matter. Things were kind of chugging along and kind of coming out of the 08 crisis. There's a little bit of an uptick kind of coming out of the, the, I believe this is probably the 2014 to 2016 US fracking and shale boom. There was an uptick. Then it kind of flatlined for a few years until late 2022 early 20 yeah kind of mid to late 2022 total construction spending in the u.s has skyrocketed and if we look at an even deeper chart it is almost all coming from manufacturing and then if we look at an even deeper chart uh of subset of manufacturing almost all the growth is in computer electronic and electrical which again i believe is going to be mainly semiconductors. So do you think so far it looks like the Chips Act has been a huge success in that the reshoring here, I mean, we kind of looked at, um, there's another article today uh, from Taiwan Semiconductor, I'll, I'll stop the sharing, that they are now going to double their investment, I believe, or actually maybe even more. Yeah, they're increasing their investment in Arizona from $12 billion to $40 billion it seems like this reshoring manufacturing boom, U.S., Mexico is just, it's, it's so far people, uh, we've kind of been on this train, but other people have been way more enthusiastic about it. Seems like it's kind of, it's been completely right so far. Yeah. Long Autodesk. I hope, well, hopefully. Yeah, <clears throat> we are, I should say. We are Long Autodesk. But <laughs> yeah, that, that's there the are Probably a lot of, I think, software providers that in this space will will obviously benefit um engineering software construction software manufacturing software 100 percent. yeah yeah good uh i guess remember when we were doing that engineering software month and the uh i think for every single one we were like future growth opportunity the new infrastructure bill or whatever maybe hey. that's coming to fruition 
it's the chips act it's coming yeah it's it's interesting to see and i think what's again again we're no experts on china but china used to subsidize a lot of this stuff they would give a lot of government incentives for the manufacturing companies whatever it would be i don't know if it was tax breaks direct money whatever it is they would use their government money to make it cheaper versus other people to manufacture this stuff and that's why it went there so i think the fact that the u.s government is doing this now kind of you know trying to make it cheaper trying to get all the tax breaks is probably the reason why all these companies are committing so much uh you know, manufacturing capex. What do you think are the general? Are there are there any general investment implications besides engineering software and construction software is going to be a good hunting ground in this decade? Hmm. Uh, maybe the contractors, um, the public GCs. Yeah, potentially those feel like bad businesses, though. Yeah um somewhat maybe maybe i only know of one that i've looked at before and it it does okay but i feel like this will be a there'll be a big demand for immigration um to try to get people who want to you know work either from mexico and it's really not just mexico uh all over the world that want to come to the u.s uh and work in a lot of these jobs because the spending is going to require jobs it's not you know, we're not entirely robotic manufacturing yet. Yeah, potentially it's a boom to labor. It's about time labor had a win. They've been having, yeah, it's been a nice two two years or so uh, with that. Hopefully it continues. Yeah, it's been because it's been a very tough 40 years for that part of the, um, I don't want to call it the economy, that part of the, well, yeah, just that part of the economy. Um, you know what else I saw? Part. Okay, go I ahead. I was going to say, yeah. this is, maybe unrelated, but I saw something this week that was like people under the age of 30 don't want to work hard. And I know people say that all the time, but I'm like, do you think that's, do you think that is true relative to past generations? Or do you think that's just like, a human I, feel thing? Like, I feel like that's just everyone that's old complains about the young people and they've been doing it. it don't people give out examples of that happening in Greece of this sort of narrative going on in Greece, Roman, ancient times, right? I wonder if they, uh, even all the way back in Egypt, uh, the, what was that? The the Tigris River, whatever, whatever. Even the most ancient civilizations, they were probably talking about this. And I feel like that's that's every time or every generation. They say, oh, the next one's soft. Oh, they don't want to work. But in reality, it's probably no different than anyone else. There, the interesting thing with labor for me, especially some of these manufacturing jobs, I have a number of friends that are in that, you know, were working construction for some time. And it it makes sense to me why there's such a big labor shortage in manufacturing, because the injuries there like are so frequent. Well, yeah. And, and a lot of the time, you you know, some of the construction jobs, you can just kind of pick up and go right? Or anyone can go work it. But a lot of these are skilled manufacturing jobs, especially within aerospace, especially within semiconductors, um, electrical, whatever. I think there could be a shortage of that just because a lot of it was transferred over to Asia. The demand for that was much lower in the United States. And now we might need a, yeah, an increase. Here's the last question I have though. Hold on. I have to change my microphone. So sorry if my audio quality gets bad for like five minutes, but uh, yeah, talk, Ryan, talk for a little bit while I do that. Ryan is in a uh, tough, he's in a pickle with his audio right now, um, but we're making it work. 
the question I have, is this inflationary? And the reason I say this is because you have a really big increase in, say, CapEx for a lot of the stuff, just say manufacturing in general. We don't have to say what it is. First off, that's going to be inflationary from a commodities and energy standpoint, because to build something, it requires energy to, you know, and it requires materials. So this, you know, commodity prices are going to go up, all else equal. And then second, the cost per, say, output of something is going to be more expensive in the United States versus, for example, not picking on them, but Vietnam. The, to make a profit for these companies to stay viable, all else equal, you're going to have to charge higher prices. I kind of think this is something that could drive inflation to be higher over the long term, if that makes sense. It's it, Obviously, this growth in manufacturing would have to continue, but I, I feel like all else equal, growth in manufacturing spend in the United States is going to be inflationary. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, because inflation is not necessarily bad if the economy is growing, but what are, what are your thoughts there? Well, I missed about half your your thoughts, but um, I guess maybe, but yeah, like you said, I, I don't think it's the end of the world if the economy is growing. I don't know. What's it looked like over the last 20 years? Of what? Inflate of the spending? Yeah. Uh, I mean, look at the charts. It was basically flat, all flattened down since 2000. Not really any big bumps outside of the oil boom, uh, I believe. And also, it might not have even have been the oil boom. But yeah, I mean, it's basically gone vertical this year. Well, uh, inflation has come down. So yeah, yeah. And that, that is, it's, I mean, there's lag times on this type of stuff, but on a, on a more of a law, you know, not a, not a quarter by quarter basis, but on more of a, this decade thing, if this continues, I feel like it's likely that it, you know, inflation might not be 10%, but it could be a driver of, or not even a driver. It, there could be some, you know, counteracting forces that, bring inflation down, but I feel like this is by definition going to be an inflationary force. I think you're possibly right. Well, are you going to be getting the new Amazon mobile plan? Um, I would definitely get it if they had good international roaming once I get out of my AT&T contract, because if they're going to make it cheap, they're talking about making it free for prime subscribers, which would be ambitious. I feel like if they just made it 20 bucks a month and you had a a way to like, you know, have international roaming that AT&T and Verizon are terrible with and why T-Mobile's winning, I would 100% switch to that if it could be managed through my Prime account. Yeah, I guess for context, for any listeners who haven't heard, apparently Amazon is, a leak came out this week that they're planning to offer a $10 mobile phone plan. How expensive do you think it would be for them to provide like, similar coverage to the big well they'd have providers to, they'd have to hop on one of the the networks is that how it work hmm. yeah just like just like xfinity slash comcast and just like charter uh slash spectrum they hop on i believe it's verizon but either way the only people that have their own networks are the actual AT&T, infrastructure agent verizon, verizon t-mobile t-mobile 
So they'd have to hop on one of those and basically be a white labeled solution. Again, not a telecom telecom expert, but this part I do believe I understand. So they would pay a fee to Verizon or whoever for each subscriber. Um, And they'd have to... So the thing with Amazon is they could make up the difference between, you know, churn reduction and people spending on e-commerce and stuff like that. So I wonder how they'd make the economics work, but feels like a good product for them to go after if they go for... seems like they're trying to do this wireless internet stuff. I would like them to do this instead of Alexa, because there's a clear value proposition here where Alexa is its moonshot science project. Alexa hater. We've just been oh, pure I'm haters the this whole episode. Oh, I'm, an, I'm the number one Alexa hater. They're going to crown me. Hey, what is the, the Chappelle show thing? Hater of the year. I'm the Alexa hater of the year. Every year since 2017. All right. Other news. God, there was a lot this week. Um, Okay, so apparently, for those that keep up with kind of the sports world, Lionel Messi is going to Miami Club Football, Miami CF. It's the MLS club in Miami. Um, And there is, I don't think the terms of the, the specific terms of the deal are completely public, but, or maybe even not. Uh, solidified yet, but Apple's apparently giving out a cut of MLS. See, you can on Apple TV, they got all the rights to the MLS games, I think, for like the next 10 years or something like that, like a, a long term deal. Um, and you have there's like a season pass essentially for all the MLS games that I think is 15 bucks a month, um, cheaper if you're a season ticket holder. But the apparently Messi is getting a cut of all the MLS season subscriptions. Do you think, first of all, what do you think of that deal? But do you think that sets a precedent for other streaming services to potentially do something like this? The only one I could other think I could think of is maybe like anyone who gets like F1 rights or um, golf potentially. I think, um... oh man. I don't know if the value, the the negotiating rights of any other athlete works like that, except maybe yeah, F1 could be. Tennis could be. Golf, when Tiger was there, could be, but probably not now. I just don't see in any of the other big sports leagues, there's not a single name versus like, yeah, if LeBron went to play basketball in Spain or China, sure. But that's kind of the same, what's happening here. So, yeah. It's an interesting deal, though, and I wonder, for Apple's perspective, it probably seems smart because they can lose money on this for a long time, but if it drives more hardware sales, then we're golden. You know what else I saw? This kind of reminds me of a recent, the probably the one league where they have blundered streaming the most, your favorite, the Major League of Baseball. Um, well, my second favorite, Pac-12 football, too. So both of them I have gripes with. <laughs> they, uh, I saw... Alex Morris tweeted it out like this this week. They uh, there was a four game series between I can't remember who it was. Um, it was a four game series, and each game was played on a different provider. And like you, you, unless you had cable, there was no way to like get to them all. 
Yeah, it's so, it's so it's so interesting because they're sacrificing long term fans by basically saying anyone that doesn't have cable, so basically all young people are not going to be able to access your service, or if they want to go to a virtual provider, you're going to have to go to this one specific one and pay ninety bucks a month to do it, which is a huge hurdle rate for these local sports fans. And to do that, you're just getting a little bit of a cash cow for maybe the next what three years until the cable bundle falls apart when Disney decides to break it. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, they got to make some moves here. They got to sacrifice a little bit of short-term profitability and all their partners for local, uh, what do they call them? RSNs, regional sports networks. They're all going out of business. So it's not like, remember, I think I just saw earlier this week, the San Diego Padres are not getting paid by their partner because they just fired, filed chapter 11. So it's not like it's actually working out from a cash cow perspective. You're losing at both ends. You're not making money, and uh, you're you're uh, driving away a lot of your young fans who don't know how to watch you. Yeah, the uh, it's, and I remember another part of that tweet was like, for an NFL game, people will go to, they will figure out how to get the game. It's different to, though, yeah, to watch because there's 16 games. Um, people aren't going to do that for the MLB. MLB for, hockey, regular season basketball, regular season right. MLS, even, um, and basically every sport besides football. Yeah, so I, I don't. I think you got to get onto some sort of a streaming service and make it uniform throughout. Uh, there, there's some terminal value risk here with the MLB. I think. Can that you is a, can you just wait? Can you just wait until everyone's on smart TVs? And then and then hop over. I think you probably lose a lot of fans in the process. You lose a lot of fans that you would have built built some uh, fan equity over the last ten years. That's a good thought to end on. This was the Investing Power Hour again. These go live uh, on Thursdays. You can watch the replays on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast player of choice. We are not financial advisors. Anything we say on this show is not formal advice or recommendation. We are general partners at Arch Capital and clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you 